Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano, host of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making the Locked On Rays podcast your first listen every day. And remember, the Locked On Rays podcast is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked On Rays. As promised, we have part two of our conversation with Aram Layton from JustBaseball.com. We also want to remind the listeners out there of an opportunity to guest co-host a future episode of the Locked On Rays podcast. To do that, find more information about that. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash raise unfiltered. Buymeacoffee.com slash raise unfiltered. And if that's too complicated for you, uh, just hit our email, lockedonraise at gmail.com. That's the express link. You know, just shoot us an email, mm-hmm. shoot us a DM for those already that, you know, can 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 go ahead yeah. and do buymeacoffee.com slash mm-hmm. raise unfiltered. Honestly, I, I couldn't even do it. Just then. So say it five times fast. Exactly. So there you go. You can always just shoot us a DM or a, a an email at lockedonrace at gmail.com. We're very open and welcoming with that. <laughs> yes. Um okay, part two of our conversation with Aram Layton. Ulysses, it's kind of funny because the defensive value that Taylor Walls and his seemingly being ready for the show maybe made it easier for the race to stomach letting go or trading Joey Wendell to a team that Aram knows very well, the Miami Marlins. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, We we had talked about Joey Wendell might have been at his highest value ever after the all-star nomination, after the gold glove nomination. Uh, We have always been Joey Wendell fans in this podcast. Uh, Kevin can attest to that. Now you from the other side, how were you with the news that Joey Wendell had just been traded for Cameron Meissner? Is it, was it a win-win from, from the Marlins perspective? What's your take? You know, it's tough because I look at the, the addition of Joey Wendell in a vacuum and I love it, right? You have a team in the Marlins that one has a lot of help. They need a lot of help offensively and Wendell's not going to light the world on fire, but you know, he can swing it enough to be a guy that you can put in the lineup day in and day out. And he's going to put the bat on the ball and he's going to be pretty consistent. And when he's going right, I mean, he was an all-star in the first half for a reason. He went through some struggles, but I mean, that's, this is a proven bat uh, that, that is high floor. Uh, But the most important thing I think from the Marlins standpoint is they're two most, two of their most injury prone players besides Garrett Cooper, who's perpetually injured, unfortunately, and actually can swing it if he's healthy. Brian Anderson at third base and Jazz Chisholm at second base were hurt a lot last year. And for the first time, Miguel Rojas looked a little bit vulnerable. So you've got your three infield positions there uh, with guys that you know, you got to probably account for them missing some time. The problem last year was that the Marlins were replacing those guys or replacing those at-bats with Joe Panic and Isan Diaz, who combined for negative three F-war. Uh, now you're finding Joey Wendell in there, who is a positive war player and then some. I love it from that standpoint. Giving up Cameron Meisner, I'm a big proponent of where the Marlins are at now. I try to emphasize to the fans, like, hey, you cannot be hugging prospects at this point. The Marlins need to have some urgency. I'm not saying win the World Series tomorrow, but they need to do something that shows fans that they're trying to win. Joey Wendell's probably not going to pack the stadium. 
Uh, but this is a beginning of building out that team. I don't think they're done. Uh, Craig Mish, who's always on it with the Marlins and reporting and breaking every trade, says they're only about 50% done. So I like the deal. I just would like to have seen the Marlins trade from their pitching surplus rather than their outfielders, which, you know, they need bats. And Cameron Meisner has as much upside as anybody. But let's be real. The Rays know what they're doing when they target prospects, and they targeted Cameron Meisner for a reason. And I think this was the only way that the Marlins didn't have to give up multiple pitching prospects was to give up Cameron Meisner. Uh, Meisner is a really exciting prospect, finished the year outrageously well after a slow start. He's tooled up. I mean, he's got crazy raw power. He's a plus runner. He's a big dude. Also a very nice guy um, that, you know, I think will will fit in really well. And yes, he's a little bit risky. There's some swing and miss there. Uh, but the Rays see something they like, and I think they're right to have seen that. I, I wasn't surprised that they targeted Cameron Meisner, to be honest. You talk about, uh, yeah, he's got pop. He's got a good, good, um, good speed. Uh, place the outfield. Now, the strikeout number is, is a little bit high, and he just mm-hmm. was promoted to double A, almost a 30%. Where is he on the trajectory? I know we we spoke off uh, camera uh, when when this happened, uh, and and I, I wanted to joke with you. Is he the next Josh Lowe? Um, how close is that of a comp from for 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 Cameron Meisner? I, I don't think it's far off at all. Um, I think Lowe's one of my. I, I'm outrageously high on Lowe. I think he is uh, somebody that's a little bit you know just more dynamic. Uh, in that regard, like I, I'm taking Lowe's defense and center a bit more. Uh, I'm taking his bat-to-ball skills a bit more. But there was a tangible adjustment for Meisner. Um, and he, he it was as simple as just his loading mechanism for his timing. He just was struggling to be on time. And he came up with a little bit more of just a consistent mechanism in his load, like he was saying, and a little bit more of a consistent thought uh, to get to the same spot. And he felt like he was on time a lot easier and a lot more frequently and we saw the results. Uh, they continued to just show. I mean, that's a big jump from high A to double A. And to perform better after that jump, I think, kind of shows you how that adjustment helped him. Uh, the glove is good, really good. Uh, in, in the corner, I think it's plus. In a center, I think it could be average to above average, whereas a low could be plus in center. Uh, so that's the difference. But I think there's a there's a very large similarity here. These are big dudes with big power, great athleticism. And again, that's that's kind of why I think the race targeted him. They, they saw the similarities, too. Um, and, and this guy has top 100 prospect upside. I think if he performs this year in double A, I, I don't see how you can keep him out of the, the top 100. If it weren't for a, a beat up season in college at Missouri and a little bit of a disappointment on the back end there, he would have been a first a early first round pick. And he still ended up being the 35th overall pick by the Marlins. So uh, th- this is a great pickup f- for the Rays. And honestly, I, I didn't love that the Marlins gave him up. But, you know, like I said, you got to give to get. And and Joey Wendell helps the Marlins now for sure. Well, Kevin, it's the holiday season. So I am really excited that I can have something that is amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs and fat, but also high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. And of course, you know, I'm talking about the delicious and healthy built bars. There are so many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. Will it be raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? You know, it's peanut butter brownie for me all the time. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors. So 
What do you do if you want a Built Bar, Kevin? You go to Built.com. You choose all of the amazing flavors that they have option for you. And then you use that promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. So remember, delicious, healthy Built Bars at Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get some delicious and healthy Built Bars. Yeah, it's funny because Joey Wendell doesn't bring a lot of flash, but he's just a winning player and does pretty much everything the right way. And he will certainly help out that team and help out that clubhouse and set a positive example. And I think play some, you know, do okay offensively, but I think the defense, the glove is really what, what helps him at, at third base among other positions and his versatility. But it is interesting because I know we're not a Marlins podcast, but I I do want to get your take Aram, on what the Marlins have done this offseason going after Jacob Stallings, signing Avi Garcia. It seems like every time I look at the Marlins roster, there's like a handful of Rays players, former Rays players, <laughs> yeah. or guys that were farm hands within the Rays. I mean, Jesus Sanchez, Avi Garcia, Joey Wendell now, Paul Campbell, Lewis Head. Like the list goes on and on and on. But uh, what do you see? And I'm sure uh, if and when the lockout ends, there might be some more movement there. But what's your, I guess, prediction or expectation for the Marlins in 2022. Yeah, it's funny. You know, when I was really getting frustrated with some of the front office decisions uh, last year, I'm pretty sure I went through a rant at some point where I was just like, stop trying to be the Rays. You cannot be the Rays. You know, take bits and pieces of it, but just be the Marlins. Cause I, it just seems so obvious to me that they were just trying to, to play that Rays baseball, uh, that type of approach. And it's a really hard thing to do. It's a really, really hard thing to do, and that's why everybody marvels at what the Rays are capable of. Uh, This was an interesting signing. Um, In a vacuum, I like it in terms of just adding Avi Garcia to your team. I mean, that is is positive. Uh, But, I mean, you guys kind of saw it firsthand. He had one of his better years. Seems like he's like an every other year kind of guy where he's good, bad, good, bad. And hopefully that's not the case because that would mean he'd be bad this year. Uh, But, you know, I just I just don't know if I'm, I'm if I'm on board with with giving him the amount of years. I mean, four years, fifty three million dollars for the Marlins is a pretty substantial amount for a guy who, like, let's face it, has only had one season of an F war above four. Last year was his best year if you look at the department of like slash line and home runs, and still only two point nine F war there. Uh, the glove is is all right. I like it because this is a team that was so offensively challenged that, you know, he's going to help them there and and he's low key fast and and interesting. But the one that really got me more excited and I might be in the minority in this is is Jacob Stallings. Really? I mean, the Marlins could not have been worse off behind the dish. And and that was something I tried to emphasize ad nauseum. I'm like, it's malpractice to have rolled out last year with what they had behind the dish. I mean, they had a, a negative F4 from the catching position. They had the lowest WRC plus from the position. Or if you want to just go with traditional stats, pick one. I promise you they were the worst at it. Pass balls, <laughs> uh, throwing guys out, uh, framing. They were towards the bottom. Batting average, strikeouts, whatever you want. They, they were terrible. Uh, so w- when you factor that in, and now you're replacing that with a competent hitter and somebody that's unbelievable defensively, he went the whole year without a pass ball. Jorge Alfaro led the league in pass balls in a, a third of the innings uh, that most of the other guys had back there. Uh, I think it's going to change a lot. And also think about it from this component. You're taking a really good pitching staff and now adding one of the best catchers in baseball in terms of calling games, framing, blocking. 
I just think it's going to, one, help guys like Jesus Lazardo take that next step. And, and I can't wait to see what stealing a few strikes does for Sandy Alcantara and Trevor Rogers. So I'm really excited about that one, but it sounds like they're not done either. So I'm, I'm kind of reserving the judgment until after, uh, after the lockout, hopefully. Uh, and I think they're going to make that one big splash trade with what Craig Mish says is an AL team is who they're talking mm. to. That's all he'll give me. I, I can speculate Cedric Mullins, maybe Brent Marsh. I don't know. Uh, but AL team outfield bat. That's all he's saying right now. Ooh. Interesting. That sounds like Austin Meadows. Oh, <laughs> is there any chance that would be possible? I mean, I've been playing on your favorite uh, website of all time. And uh, oh. well, let, let's put it this way. If, that that's if, like my association. <laughs> if there's a Rays player making more than a million dollars, the Rays might try to trade that player, no matter how productive yeah. he is. I'll throw it out there. Uh, Arm, do you buy into my hot take at all? I've, I've, I've thrown out some hot. The Marlins will finish with as good or a better record than the New York Mets, even after hiring Buck Showalter. I will stick with my prediction that the Marlins will finish with a better record than the Mets. <laughs> The disgraceful, dysfunctional Mets in 2022. <laughs> well, man, I hope you're right. Uh, I hope you're right because, you know, I just have, even though I don't host Locked on Marlins anymore, and by the way, Peter Pratt over there, um, mm-hmm. my favorite buddy from the UK is killing it. I'm excited to see whenever you guys hopefully link up for a crossover. Um, but it, he, uh, you know, we were talking about it and look, the Mets – They've made every move you could possibly make, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, Jacob Degrom, he he's he's the best pitcher in baseball, right? Could be one of the best pitchers ever. But I'm a little bit worried about the health, right? And I think he's going to be okay. I hope that he's okay. Uh, but if he falters, right? If if he's not able to stay healthy, you also have an, a Max Scherzer who who faded at the end of the year because of how much he was putting on his arm. Uh, I'm hoping he comes back fresh next year. But you're leaning on the front end of your rotation with two. Guys that are you know on the other side of thirty, um, one's on the back end of thirty, and both you know either one has some injury issues and the other you know is kind of feeling his age at times a little bit. I don't know if you can count on those guys to give you two hundred innings uh, in today's game, and uh, you don't might you might not need them to, but you lost Marcus Stroman, which I actually think they're going to feel a little bit more than people think. Carlos Carrasco though I think is is a very low key X factor for them. A lot of it rides on Lindor too. I just don't know. Even Buck Showalter, I think the, the big hiring there was to manage the personalities, right? Yeah. I don't know if he can. I don't know if anybody can. I don't know if Dr. Phil can. Uh, <laughs> and that's that's the question. So uh, on the Marlins side, look, they, they need to make another move or two offensively. But assuming they do, I mean, that rotation is is outrageous. I mean, you're, Sandy Alcantara, I think, is making his case to be one of the one of the better, you know, top 15 pitchers in baseball as he continues on his trajectory. Trevor yeah. Rogers isn't that far behind. And then Pablo Lopez is as good of a three, I think, as you're going to find. And they've got maybe Sixto Sanchez back in the fold, Max Meyer, Edward Cabrera, uh, Eliezer Hernandez is a solid back end of the rotation option. Jesus Lizardo, if he puts it together, right. is a freak in the best way possible. Like the pitching will be fantastic, but how is the offense? Can it hold up? And that's going to be the big question. But what I can tell you is it's going to be a lot better than last year already. Uh, so I, I hope you're right. It's a hot take. But any team with that kind of pitching, I think, has a shot. And uh, I'll ride with it. I'll ride with it. I'll, I'll die on that hill with you, Kevin. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues its march to the playoffs. Bet on- 
line, of course, remains your number one spot for all of the sports action. Just head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked on L O C K E D O N again, promo code locked on L O C K E D O N to receive that wonderful bonus. Bet online, it is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it's where the game starts. Can I just say this, <laughs> yeah. Ulysses, before you take over here? Just because a team wins the offseason does not mean they're going to win the regular season. San Diego Padres. Ask the Padres. Yeah. And 2012 I, Marlins. There you go. <laughs> that yeah. too. That too. Wow. Flashback. Uh, Man. Uh, and then I'll, I'll, let me just say this about the Mets and managing some big personalities. I'm low-key. I mean, besides the fact of I, I, I'd love to see Matt Quattraro get an opportunity and advance in his career, but I think it, it might be for the better that he didn't get this job with the Mets as his yeah. first managerial job. Oh my so gosh. Just out there. Yeah. 100%. You don't, you don't want to step onto those coals for your first gig. Um, you can be pretty much written off yeah. and then you never get another opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, talking about the Mets, talking about other teams, uh, you know, the Cubs, uh, Stroman went there. I want to get your, your barometer on what was the most surprising free agent signing that we saw in that little frenzy for two weeks there in, in, uh, uh November. What was the most surprising? Number one, Scherzer to the Mets, Seager to the Rangers, or Robbie Ray to Seattle? So that's a great question. I was ready for the Mets to just throw money. You know, I I, I was ready for Steve Cohen to leverage that money, and I don't think he's done. I think he's going to continue to leverage that money, whether it's absorbing contracts that nobody wants, like Josh Donaldson or things like that. Mm-hmm. I was probably most surprised. You know, the Mariners, after what they did last year, I figured they'd be drinking the Kool-Aid. Depoto was ready to be a little bit aggressive. They got Kyle Seeger off the books and basically mm-hmm. replaced that money with with a Robbie Ray. I know the Rangers said they were going to spend, but I really just didn't believe it. I, 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 I thought they'd go get one dude, maybe Javi Baez, or the kind of deal that he got with the Tigers and call it a day. I, I yeah. can't believe what they're doing. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Rangers. I mean, they they commit half a billion dollars to a couple guys as if they're some close to complete team. Uh, that was the most mind blowing for me. Even though we were hearing about it for a while, I, I just flat out can't believe it. And it took them paying about fifteen to twenty cents more on the dollar to bring them in, and uh, that was also shocking to me. I, that has to be number one. I still just can't believe that the Rangers are gonna are gonna have those two guys next year, and who knows what it's gonna look like. It's it's insanity. I, 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 Five hundred million, half a billion, and you know when you're throwing that much money around, and you're like, okay, well, you've got Seager, shortstop. You got Simeon. Oh man, who's at first? And then look, old friend of the program, Nate Lowe. But like you know, when you've got Seager and Simeon, and then you got Nate Lowe on the uh, on first base, like there's a drop off there. I mean, you, yeah. you're, you're nowhere near done if you have that much money in the books. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing, right? You're, you're spending all that money. How much can they feasibly spend outside of that? You know, I think this was more like, okay, we missed our opportunity. Unfortunately, uh, having the new stadium in a time where nobody could attend the stadium really up until that world series. And even that was you know not really what the stadium was supposed to be uh, in terms of people being able to go. 
this was their spot to say, Hey, come on down. Like let's pack this thing and let's, let's make that new move. Like the Marlins did in 2012 with their new stadium. And that's why yeah. I'm interested to see how it all plays out. They're not going to be able, even if Seager is really solid, nobody's going to absorb that contract similar to the way that nobody wanted to absorb Stanton's contract. Even after he, he had some of the best seasons you're going to see. Uh, there's just a, a degree of only a couple teams can absorb that kind of deal and that gives them all the leverage in the world. Uh, so that's why I, I think they're in a really interesting spot. I do like the addition of John Gray, uh, but yeah, they, they've got a lot more work to do. What I do like is that I think third base will be answered internally uh, with, with Josh Young. I really like him as a prospect and I think he's going to be one of those guys that kind of rolls right into the big leagues. And that's about it though. Right? Like, What else are we excited about on this ball club? Uh, they are pretty far off. And if Adolis Garcia takes a step back, they're going to struggle. So it's a lot on some guys that aren't that proven outside of the two guys that are proven that are going to get paid half a billion dollars. So I don't totally get it, but I'm cool with it. Like I'd rather him go there than the Yankees or the Dodgers. Uh, So, you know, it's it's better for baseball when those mid-market teams, even though they're technically a larger market, uh, are, are showing out the money instead of, it just it being that that one percent of, of the Yankees and the Dodgers and you know those types of teams. Uh, Arm, I wasn't expecting you to talk this much about the Texas Rangers, but I've got to throw this question out there. You are, of course, the prospect aficionado, among other things. I mean, just baseball aficionado, I should say. But I want to give a little shout out and see if you have any scouting report on insight on this guy, Dustin Harris. He's a graduate of Land of uh, Land O'Lakes High School and. Uh, St. Petersburg College and was the 2021 Texas Rangers minor league player of the year. And he was like a mid round draft pick a couple years ago. I, I want to say like 12th, 13th round, something like that. I was actually um, talking with his, his mother not too long ago, very excited about the career trajectory that he is on, but what do you see from him and, and maybe making an impact at some point with the Texas Rangers or elsewhere? It's funny as you're saying that I'm, I'm I've been working on the Rangers system as well as I'm just continuing to churn out the uh, top prospect list for for every every team. So just as you were talking about that, I went to pull up my notes because I remember writing up Dustin Harris, and the thing that that so I, I talk about guys like this a lot because I call it the Ty France effect, meaning that when you are a really good hitting prospect who doesn't have any other tool that jumps off the page, people overlook you. Because there's just so much pressure on just the ability to hit flat out. But if you look at Ty France going all the way back to the beginning of his professional career and all the way back before that, he has done nothing but hit. Yet nobody really gave him the time of day until he just did it at the big league level consistently. And now he, you know, we saw what he did last year. I see I see Dustin Harris being kind of that similar guy of the Ty France effect, right? Like he stuck at first, most likely, uh, but he also was able to just put up outrageous numbers. I'm very interested to see if he can do it in double a, but I just don't think you can deny what he did to to put the power numbers up that he put last year. And then also parlay that into, you know, what is a really low strikeout rate and just great bat to ball skills. These are the kind of guys that I'm looking for. If I'm a GM to scoop up and, you know, he's athletic enough. Like he's more athletic than Ty France, to be honest. Uh, those are the types of guys I'm looking to try to like buy low on uh, because they don't play a premium position and because they don't have this freakish tool. The object of baseball is to hit the baseball. And Dustin Harris is very good at that. Uh, and, and I think those kind of guys get unfortunately overlooked 
Uh, but I think he's starting to hit his way onto a lot of radars. Interesting. Well, uh, Arm, since we are on the subject of prospects, we might as well, if we're going to ask a question about a Texas Rangers prospect, we might as well ask about a Tampa Bay Rays prospect or two. And not too long ago, you released uh, the top 10 list, top 10 prospect lists for the Tampa Bay Rays from your perspective on justbaseball.com. And uh, of course, there's the usual names like Shane Boz and Josh Lowe and Vidal Bruhan. But I was curious to see you're pretty high on Austin Shinton, number seven, <laughs> the number seven prospect in the Rays system. Why is that? Why so high maybe compared to some other outlets out there? I thought you were going to ask me about Mead, honestly. But well, that too. Like yeah, we had of- him on the show as well. Oh, you had me. Damn, you had me. I got to listen to that one. Um, I'm a big fan of his. I'm a How big dare fan you? You yeah. haven't listened to it yet. Oh, I oh my gosh. gosh. Oh, oh, this is unacceptable. What is happening here? My uh, Because you have not listened to it, my request is that you transcribe our 45-minute interview and post it word for word on JustBaseball.com. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh yeah, I feel like I'm back in uh, detention again um, in high school. Uh, but no, that 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 I'm really excited to, to watch. But to answer your question first on um, on Shenton, mm-hmm. I've had a chance to see this guy all the way back from you know going into the Cape, where he really that was kind of the beginning of his breakout. Um, and, you know, I've even gone all the way back to speaking to his college coach, Merville Melendez, who uh, Merville Melendez at FIU, Florida International University, where now uh, our advisor at JustBaseball.com, Jeff Conine, who co-hosts uh, Outside the Box with Jeff Conine with me, um, which is which is a blast talking to him about baseball all the time. Uh, but just talking about Shenton, the one thing that really stood out that I you know keep hearing across the board is just how professional of a hitter he is, how advanced his approach is, and, and how much of just a gamer he is. Uh, and when I watch him more and more, I can just totally see that. I love his swing from the left side. I think it's really going to play uh, all the way through. And we've seen that. We've seen it just continue to play up uh, everywhere he goes. I really think that this is another guy. Again, when I saw Seattle make the trade with Tampa and, and before they announced the prospect, I had a conscious thought of, I wonder who the Rays are specifically targeting in this deal. And they specifically targeted Shenton for a reason. And he was someone I had up pretty high in a really loaded Mariner system too. I just look at his ability to to play third base. I think he's a solid glove there. I look at his swing. I look at his bat-to-ball skills. I think there's more power in the tank. I think he's going to hit 25-plus home runs. And when you're getting 275, 360 kind of production with 25 homers from the left-handed side of the batter's box, I love it. His swing reminds me a little bit of Mark Teixeira. It just lives in the zone. He barrels everything. He sprays the ball all over the field. He just is so safe to me. Um, that that's why I value him high. Is he going to be a perennial all-star? No, uh, but I have a lot of confidence in his you know middle outcome potential, uh, which is just a really solid regular who is a nice left-handed bat with some sneaky pop. Um, and, and that's why I'm a little bit higher on him than the industry. Um, and, and similar to me too. I mean, before the Arizona fall league, before he sets the Arizona fall league hitting streak record, um, you know, I, I had Mead all the way up at 56, if I remember correctly. And, I had a bunch of people tell me like, what is that? Like, why do you have that dude at 56 in your top 100? The guy makes hitting look easy. Yes. And, and I think it's kind of similar with those two. Um, and, and, and I think the Rays have some really safe 
prospects to balance out some really high upside guys as well. Now, rounding that list at number 10 is Tash Bradley, uh, who Neander has said uh, that would be that would be his sneaky pick under the radar. That was at the beginning of the season. I no longer think that he is a, a sneaky pick uh, he, or no, no longer under the radar. Is Tash Bradley right now at his age of 20 years old, uh, is he more mature in, in his delivery, in his arsenal, in, in his pitch efficiency than Shane Boz was at his uh, age? In terms of throwing strikes, no doubt. You know, Boz is just such a freak athletically and and the stuff that he has – I mean, the slider is just on a different planet. Uh, it's like he, he's like an airbender almost. But when you look at Bradley, I'm just so impressed at his pitch ability early on. I don't think not only like comparing it to Boz, comparing it to most guys I see in professional baseball, you just don't see guys with that kind of pitch ability uh, that didn't have uh, where they just had a bunch of innings under their belt. He really hit the ground running. And, you know, with the fastball, he already has above average command of that pitch. That's why he was able to carve up the lower levels. When you have advanced advanced feel for a fastball that's 94 to 97 and you can spot it up better than most of your peers, you're going to dominate lower level guys. And that's exactly what he did. The slider is above average too. And off the fastball, those pitches work really well. My question for him is, you know, where's that third pitch? The changeup is lagging behind the other two, which is okay, right? We had no 2020 season. The guy is still in supremely young and doesn't have that many innings under his belt. Uh, but that's my big, that's the only thing that was holding him back from being even higher up, you know, from being that top 100 prospect is I need to see a little bit more out of the third offering before I fully commit to him being a top 100 guy. But I really do like what we've seen from him. And and I think he's got that advanced field of pitch that you just can't teach guys that young. Uh, and a lot of that comes from his athleticism. So I am really excited about him. All right, we once again want to thank Aram for joining us on the program part three. The final edition of that conversation with him will run on the next episode. Thank you again for making the Lockdown Race podcast your first listen every day. Now make sure your second listen is the Locked On Bets podcast. That is free and available on all platforms.